Dude, we don't care who listening and who not listening. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pacers Pod, a playoff edition episode. The only episode I was able to get out in the playoffs because unfortunately, our season is now over. The Pacers were officially swept today by the Boston Celtics, losing the series four games to none. Um... In this episode, I'm going to talk about the series, talk about some of the good things, talk about a lot of the bad things. Um, what did you guys think? How, 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 what's your takeaways after the playoffs? It, uh, I, I, I previewed the playoffs last Saturday, and then one week later, it's gone. So just like that. Um, it's kind of hard to believe, but at the same time, you know, all four of those games, I think that the best team ended up winning. And so, you know, at the end of the day, the Pacers just weren't able to, to come up with come up with the uh, the big shots that they needed to to um, put away the Celtics and, and win a game or two. So, yep, it's a sweep. Um, the national media, everybody thought that, that this was going to be handled pretty easily by the Celtics. And that was the case, especially when you look at it, just at the fact that the Pacers weren't able to win a game. But if you look in the details and, and specifically a, a couple games, there was some things that, you know, um, that we can hang our hat on. I think as Pacers fans, there's things that we can be proud of. Um, it's not like our, our team went in there and just laid an egg and gave the series to Boston. Um, it's hard to maybe make that case when you're just looking at the win totals, but um, specifically game two, and really in every one, I, I believe in all four of these games, the Pacers were, you know, at one point winning and, you know, like at either at halftime or late in the first half. Um, so yeah, let's just let's just start there and kind of and kind of go through the series. So, um, the game at game one in Boston, um, the Pacers actually you know they came in to Boston and took a seven point lead into halftime. So I was geeking out pretty good on on in in that uh, in that first game. I mean, as a Pacers fan, you couldn't have asked for anything more. The I think the you know, I think the score was maybe like 45, um, you know, it, it was, it was like 45 to 37 or something. I mean, the Pacers defense was, was really locked in. Um, and yeah, they took a seven point lead in the first half. They were doing exactly what they needed to do by, uh, you know, they were playing great defense. They were getting, they were getting, uh, all sorts of tur- force in Boston and a lot of turnovers. Um, I'm going to double check here, but I believe, I believe that, uh, Thad Young ended up having five steals in this game, 
But uh, yeah, so the so the first game's underway. Pacers take the have a seven point lead going into the half halftime, and then uh, our Achilles heel all season long. Sometimes a lid forms on the basket, and and it happened in a big way uh, in game one of this series. Unfortunately, the third quarter, the Pacers ended up only scoring eight points, and it was rough. So that seven point lead quickly went away. It it, it went the other way on us, and uh, Boston ended up having like an 11-point lead at the end of the third quarter. Boston outscored the Pacers 26-8 to eight in the third, and, you know, you're just... It, it was so frustrating watching that quarter because the Pacers, you know, they were getting decent looks. Uh, it was just the fact that there weren't anybody to make the shots. I, I made a note. You know, does anyone want to take the shot? And I don't remember exactly, you know, the situation where I where I felt like writing that down. But I, I do remember when the wheels were falling off in the third quarter um, and we were just missing everything, turning the ball over. Boston was, you know, they, they only scored 26 in the third. So it's not like they were, um, you know, on fire and just scorching us. But I, I just felt like. Nobody on the team had any confidence to, to take the shot and make the shot. And it, it that game ended up getting really ugly. Um, it And so Boston ends up winning 84 to 74. Both of those, well, first of all, let me back up because the eight points that the Pacers scored in that third quarter, that was the fewest that they've ever scored in a playoffs game in the history of the franchise. So we're talking historic uh, and historically skinny dip in ice cold quarter eight points um and it's just like fuck you know because that was that was the quarter after they had boston you know they're the ones that landed the first punch because they were up seven at halftime you know they were in position and then to go out and just lay that egg now i don't know how much is it on boston you know maybe they were playing good defense um me personally i just felt like our team kind of um we just needed we needed somebody that was going to that was was willing to to carry us for a little bit and we just nobody could do it and uh so it ended up you know that was a franchise low in in points in a quarter for the Pacers and then at the end of the game it was a season low for both teams so the Pacers had never 74 points they'd scored more than that in every single game this season and Boston had scored more than 84 in every single game this season. So this was a really, really low-scoring game. Uh, that second half got really ugly. Um, two things that stood out. So, like, if you look at it at the end of the, I mean, the final score, 84 to 74, it's like, well, they only lost by 10. The truth was, I think they were down probably 15 or 16 points. And then they kind of made a run towards the end of the end of the game to make the score look a little closer than it was. But you can't, I mean, you just keep going back to the, they beat Boston in the first half by seven. Um, things that killed the Pacers, free throws, they were 12 of 21 that game. Uh, Boston was like 18 of 22. And so, you know, there's six point, seven point swing there. And then just, you know, when you miss free throws and it just really kills the momentum that you might be having and... Like, especially when you're trailing. And I I think a lot of those free throws, you know, they were missed in the second half when we were struggling and we just needed, desperately needed points. And it would have been nice had the Pacers been able to, 
you know, knocked down a few or more of those free throws and, and maybe that could have could have shaken them free from that uh you know the that fog that they were in. Another huge thing that killed the Pacers was the rebounding. They were out rebounded 48 to 33. And I didn't look at to see how many were offensive, but that was a theme to me all series long was the fact that the Pacers did not do a good enough job uh, securing the defensive rebounds, therefore giving Boston uh, second and third opportunities. And, um, you know, a team that's already got you beat in talent and, and you give them more shots, that's it's just not going to be good for you probably. So game one was, was you know, it was a frustrating loss, but there were some things that we saw in game one that, gave me hope for the rest of the series. I did not think the series was was over by any means. Um, the fact that the fact that the Pacers were able to get that lead in the first half and the fact that they played so bad in, the, in that third quarter and, and really even into the fourth quarter. But the one thing that stayed consistent was that they they made it hard on Boston. They never let Boston uh, get out and, and really um, put a whooping on them. So you know, I, I, I was encouraged by the Pacers' defense. Um, but unfortunately, that was game one. And so then it, it sets up, you know, the, the second game. So the last, you know, the second game, it, it's in Boston. Um, the Pacers are coming off that game one loss. And they came out, and I thought the Pacers just looked absolutely incredible. This The first quarter in Boston... Uh, to me, was why I thought the Pacers could beat Boston. They were, it's basically the same thing that they were doing to Boston in, in game one, where they were just playing with so much intensity. Um, the defense was just swarming. I mean, they, Thad Young, Wesley Matthews, uh, Corey Joseph, Darren Collison was digging at the ball. Um, they were just playing really good team defense. Uh, there was a play that I, I remember just like getting really jacked up because. It was in the first quarter, shot goes up, Boston takes a shot. And, uh, you know, I mentioned the fact that Boston was killing us on their offensive rebounds and the fact that we got out-rebounded so much in game one. I think it had to be on their minds to start game two. And so Boston, this is, you know, I'm talking a couple minutes into the first quarter. Boston maybe shoots a three-pointer and you see Thad Young just like, the way he boxes out Aaron Baines, Aaron Baines is the starting center for Boston who... I think he started every game, but you know, really didn't play many minutes, and wasn't that much of a factor. But he's a big guy, and uh, Thad Young went right after him. I mean, just like almost like a just two arms up, right into the chest of Baines, basically saying like, "I'm not even. I don't even care where that ball lands. You're not going to get it though." And to me, I I just saw that, and and I was thinking, man, this this it, it kind of epitomized what that team was doing in the in the first quarter. Uh, against Boston they ended up you know scoring 33 points so first quarter closes Pacers are up 33 29 and we're feeling good you know I, we've got Boston on the ropes again um, second quarter Boston ends up uh, swinging it on us uh, but we go into half only down two points and now this sets up the third quarter Pacers come out of the third quarter looking great they outscore Boston 29 to 16 take an 11-point lead going into the fourth. And then, you know, so it's like, this is just amazing, right? Because here we are, we played Boston really tough in game one. It was a tough loss. 
And now here we are in game two. We might be able to beat them here. We got an 11-point lead going into the fourth quarter. We just dominated them in the third. Our defense is still playing really solid. I mean, you know, at that point, going into the fourth quarter, Boston only had uh, 68 points. So, you know, we're keeping them well under 100. And then the wheels just fall off again for the Pacers. Um, not quite as bad as it, they did in game one, but we ended up only scoring four or 14 points. So sorry, 12 points in the fourth quarter. And, it, you know, we lose the lead. Um, I think with like, what was it? 12 seconds left. We're down by three. And we, you know, we had just given up the lead and, Bogey was hitting some incredible three pointers down the stretch, like to keep us to keep us in it. But it was a very stressful fourth quarter with 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 the just watching the leads erode. And um, but yeah, with like 12 point 12 seconds left, Pacers have the ball down three side out of bounds. Uh, we got a timeout before this set up the play. And I believe it was Wesley Matthews, the one who was inbounding. He throws like a you know, a uh, cross-court pass to where he thought Bogdanovich was going to be. Bogdanovich didn't rotate that far um, down towards the baseline on the opposite side of the court, and ball goes straight into the, into the Boston crowd. And, it's you know, it's game over because now Boston's taking the ball out with 12 seconds. We foul them. They make their free throws. We shoot. We miss. We foul them. They make their free throws. Pacers lose 99-91. Um... Kyrie Irving, he was insane this game. I mean, he really carried Boston down the down the stretch. He had 37 points, seven assists. Uh, Jason Tatum had 26 points. This was the game that I thought this that that's that's when we lost the series. Looking back on it now, I didn't know that at the time. All I knew was that that game two was the worst loss that I have personally felt since. Uh, since the Indiana Sweet 16 loss to Syracuse in 2012, back when Oladipo was on that Indiana team. Um, I, I really like, you know, I've watched a lot of basketball games since 2012, and, but I've never, I, I haven't hurt that much in a game. I kind of forgot that that happens sometimes when, you, when you're watching a game and, and you're into it. And I, I was just so proud of the Pacers to that point, you know, like they they were just playing well. They were playing well and they just it, we just were exposed for not having enough talent. And anyways, that was just a bummer loss. I was watching the game with my wife. Uh, I had been at a business conference for like Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. We got home Wednesday night at like 830. That was the game was a seven o'clock start. So, but we we decided to watch the game anyways. We finished the game in bed on the uh, on the tablet and just. Uh, I remember just you know when the, when we ended up losing that game, we just kind of looked at each other and it was, it was uh, it was a heartbreaker. That 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 was that kind of that kind of felt like the season. Not looking back after we know what happens in game three and four, um, it kind of came down to that game two. And it was, it was like we had that huge letdown in game one in the third quarter. And then uh, it was followed up by an even bigger letdown in game two in the fourth quarter. Um, and so Boston did what they were supposed to do. They held on to home court. Um, the Pacers, you know, 
that we that's something that I guess you know that's what I'm I'm proud of them for 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 making both of those games interesting and they they took a shot at beating Boston uh, but Boston got us in both of those so you know game three at home this is it really you know that was this was the chance for the Pacers uh, Boston comes out and they score forty one points in the first quarter they hit everything I mean I mean. Uh, I, I think at one point they were eight of ten from the three point line. That was in the first quarter, and it, it, it was just you know the Pacers were never really. I mean we withstood that we withstood that hit, uh, but you know it just wasn't enough. The, the Pacers just didn't have enough in the tank to to beat Boston, um, and we also had another really bad quarter again. So for the third game in a row, we scored twelve. So we scored twelve points in the third quarter. Ended up losing 104 to 96. And then game four, which was just played today at uh, at uh, one o'clock in Indianapolis, Celtics ended up winning by, oh, what was the final score of that Celtics Pacers game four? 110 to 106. And that one was over with really last four minutes of the game. It was just that the, the Pacers were nailing their threes at the very end. Like Tyreek hit a couple and Darren Collison hit a couple. But I think the most important game and the most important moment was it goes back to game two and that loss there, I, I think sealed the sealed the deal for the Pacers. They I don't think they they had enough. Well, they obviously you know it it it, it sucks that we got swept, but it, you know it, it that just is, it is what it is. They they competed in all four games, um, and I guess that's all that's all you can ask for. You know they never gave up. And it sucks, you know, we didn't have Oladipo. I mean, what, what would this series have looked like if, if we had him? You know, I got to think that, that he might be the type of player. Um, and, and, you know, you, you, can't, you can't change the past, obviously. But, it, like, if, if Oladipo had been, um, had not got injured and was that player, you know, if we had that guy that could score 20 points and, you know, give you five or six rebounds, five or six assists, couple steals and then also be the leader of your team you know be the guy that hits those threes down the end the game winners the guy that's got both fingers pointing at the court you know like uh, making the big shots and we, we just didn't have we didn't have our leader and uh, we needed him bad and it was it was definitely you could see it um in the in this in this series against boston i think all those those drought quarters could have could have maybe been avoided if, if we had oladipo but we didn't. So now we just got to hope, you know, that, that he gets back to where he was earlier this year and that we haven't seen the best of Oladipo. And uh, he was actually there at game four today um, on the sideline. Uh, I didn't, I don't really have anything to add to it. I was kind of looking for some inspiration from him or like, I don't know what he said or if he, if he maybe decided to just kind of, you know, uh, be on the side. I did see that they interviewed Doug McDermott before the, maybe it was after the game. And he was saying, you know, he, he thought maybe Oladipo would sing the national anthem or, or surprise him or something, but he basically just kind of kept to himself and, uh, which is fine. I just, so I'm just neutral on Oladipo and, uh, and, and where he's at right now with his recovery. I don't know. Um, you know, it, he didn't do anything to wow me, you know, like he, to me, he didn't, he didn't make it seem like, 
but maybe he's doing it all private too. So, um, but yeah, so takeaways from the series. I mean, what would, what would it have looked like if we had our best player, um, Bogdanovich, you know, by default was our, he was our best offensive player now with, without Oladipo and he was fine. Like he averaged 18 points over the four each, you know, each game. Uh, he came up really clutch in game two. I thought, you know, hitting those big threes down the stretch. Um, but we had the miscommunicate. He was part of the miscommunication on on the game two folly where we didn't even get the shot to t- to take a chance to tie it. Um, Bogey, I didn't think w- I didn't think he was great, but I thought he was um, good. And that's that's basically all I got to say about Bogey. Um, Turner and Sabonis, I'm gonna lump them together because I, I kind of thought that they both of them left me wanting more after the series. Like I. I, I saw some things that were really good. You know, Turner had a couple highlight dunks. He had that, I think it was actually today, where he did a pump fake at the three-point line, got Horford up, put the ball on the floor, and then just, like, go-go gadget arm dunked a, um, a one-handed, one-hander over, like, Jalen Brown or something. And, you know, he and Turner had some, Turner had some really good defensive plays. I think it was in game two. He had three or four blocks. Uh, at the rim, you know, like with Kyrie and Jalen Brown taking it to the hoop, uh, Turner was playing that role of of rim protector really well. He had he's shown flashes of it. Let me let me rephrase that. He's shown flashes of of being you know, that elite rim protector. Um, but you know his scoring was off. Like and 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 also like you know same thing with Sabonis. Sab- for for to to me Sabonis. Um, Boston had a great plan for him. They made him go right. They wouldn't let him do that little lefty hook. And it really, the defensive schemes that Boston put on Sabonis really, really stifled him. Um, I'll break it down. Basically, if you look at Turner and Sabonis, look at the first two games of the series, they were really, really bad. And it just so happened that those were the two games, you know, that the Pacers were, um, well, I shouldn't say that. The Pacers were really, they were in it in all four of those games. Like there was a time, it wasn't, it was never a wall to wall um, or wire to wire blowout win for Boston. But um, in the first two games of the series, Turner averaged six and a half points and five and a half rebounds. And Sabonis was even worse. He only averaged four points and seven rebounds in those first two games. Um, In game two, Sabonis ended up only having one point. He only took one shot from the field. Boston did a really good job of, I don't know if it was the moment, right? Like the playoffs themselves that got to Turner and Sabonis in those first two games. If it was Boston schemes, I, I think you got to give some credit there. Or or what it, what it, what it was really. They, I mean, they're young guys, uh, but both of them were, you know, on the team last year when we took the Cavs to seven. Um, so, well, let me just finish. So that, that was the first first two games. It got a little better for them in the second two games. Um, both Turner and Sabonis averaged 13 points and seven rebounds in, in the last two games, which is, you know, closer to where we need them to be still not great. Like I would have liked to see one of the, I'm looking for one of those two to, to ascend into that number two role on this team, especially since we don't know exactly what Oladipo is going to be, but I'm assuming that Oladipo comes back next year and, um, continues to be the number one player on this team. Um, obviously Bogdanovich, you know, is that number one player now, but 
are we gonna have are we gonna have Bogdanovich next year? I don't know that and and there's a lot of those questions that'll come up um, that I'm not gonna try to address in this podcast. This is just specifically recapping, you know, that Pacers Celtics series. Um, but yeah, so with Turner and Sabonis, I just was underwhelmed. They, I mean, I, I just wanted more. I just wanted them to 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 be a little bit more into the game. I thought that they deferred some or maybe it's not even that they deferred it was just the fact that like bogey was getting his shots thad was taking his shots collison was taking his shots um and then tyreek came in and was taking his shots and turner and sabonis really just kind of which is which is it's basically who they are that's i mean that's those were the last two games of this series is is, is about where they are normally but i would have just rather seen them you know look better in the playoffs and and instead i'm left with more questions, you know, like, I don't know if, if those two guys are, um, like, how good are they really? Because th- that's ultimately where, where you get judged in this league is how you perform in the playoffs. And um, for this year, getting swept like that by Boston, um, it's a little bit of a stain on Miles Turner and on Domas Sabonis for, for the way that they played. And, and the fact that, uh, you know, they weren't good enough to get to get the Pacers a win. And I thought the other guys played played good enough. I think we needed Turner and we needed Sabonis to, to elevate their games rather than um, look to kind of be carried by the rest of the team. Because, I mean, Thad Young, I mean, Bogdanovich too. Bogdanovich had a really good, I mean, you can't really ask for more from Bogey. I mean, he shot the ball decent. I mean, in comparison to, to, to the, everybody shot the ball poorly in this series. Um, but, but Bogey was solid. Thad was great. Um, you know, Thad had 11 steals and three blocks in, in the first three games of this series. I mean, he was super active. He was leading the team. I thought kind of emotionally. Um, the problem is that, you know, Thad's not a shot maker and that's just never been his forte. You know, when he gets looks from three, he gets, uh, you know, decent looks from around the basket and he's just a guy that's going to miss some of those. And, um, that's, you know, we're kind of, I thought we were asking a little too much at that young. I, and I, and I, in, a, in an ideal world, that doesn't have to worry about taking 12, 13, 14 shots. He's taking seven and he's just getting, you know, eight or nine points, seven or eight rebounds, four or five assists, two steals, a block and a half. You know, that's, that's the kind of game that we, the glue guy, that's what that is, is he's the glue guy. He's not supposed to be your number one scorer. Um, and I thought in this series, it seemed like he was in the position where he had to take some of those shots and he just missed them. Um, Tyreek Evans, he was a little bit of a bright spot, you know, um, but it was kind of unfortunate that it's like even when Tyreek was scoring, I just didn't feel great about it because. I don't know, it's, it just doesn't ever seem s- sustainable, it, um, but we did get that scoring boost from Tyreek. You know, that was the reason we brought him in. It was for the playoffs. It was to have a scoring punch off the bench. And, you know, you gotta give you gotta give Tyreek some credit. I mean, that's what he did. He came off the bench in all four games, but he averaged 15 points. Um, he, I think he had a better series than Turner or Sabonis did. Um, if I had to rank the guys, I'd say like Thad was probably number one in my opinion. Um, Tyreek, you know, he had a great series for what he brings to the table, what his role is. Bogdanovich had a good series. Um, and then I'd say like, you know, 
uh, Corey Joseph and, and Darren Collison were both fine. And then, uh, and then I put in Turner and Sabonis as, as below average. And then unfortunately we didn't get any sort of spark from Aaron Holiday or from Doug McDermott. Both of those guys got a little bit of run. I, I, I like the fact that Nate McMillan put them out there to see if, you know, see if they're going to knock down a couple threes. Um, I don't have their numbers in front of me, but I, I, not, I, know, I know Holiday scored at least one basket. Um, I'm not sure about McDermott, and I just know that they did not make much of an impact, either, one, either Aaron Holiday or Doug McDermott. And it's kind of like, yeah, what do you expect? I mean, you can't expect them to do that, and I'll give you that. But at the same time, I mean, when we're looking at this team and we're looking, you know, both of these guys are going to be on the team next year, and it just would have been so much better if we could have got a little bit of a spark from, from both of those guys, really, but at least from, from one of them. Something that shows, like, oh, the, like Holiday is going to be a guy that, that can cause some problems in, in the playoffs. Or McDermott's going to be a guy that can come in and we can trust him to, to bang down a couple open threes. Um, and unfortunately, we just didn't get that in this series. Um, and really, when you, look at our, when you look at our team and you look at what we're going to be bringing back next year, for sure, for sure we're going to have Holiday and McDermott. For sure we're going to have Turner and Sabonis. And all four of those guys underperform in the playoffs. Now, they do happen to be on the younger side. I mean, besides McDermott, who's, I don't know, he's probably five years in in his career. Um, but I don't think that's really, I don't know if that, I mean, that's kind of a, a pretty lame excuse to, to maybe put it on age. Um, so really, the guys that were able to bring us um, positivity in this series are the ones that we have to decide on what we're going to do with next year. Um, so the core that'll be back next year, unfortunately, had that had had a bad series. There's not much to really take from this series. I think that you know we can build from. Um, it was sort of worst case scenario ha- ended up happening in the end. You know, like like when Oladipo went down back in January. And, and we thought, all right, um, what's this team going to do? And, and then for the rest of the season, you know, it was a feel-good story. It, it felt good that the Pacers were winning games and that it felt good that, that they were hanging in there. You know, they, they, they fell to fifth and then went back into third. And, and it went all the way down to the very end of the regular season before they ended up finishing in fifth place in the conference, which is where most people thought they would fall after Oladipo went down. But there was still some encouragement because they still play well as a team. They were still winning games. Um, and, and I thought there was hope in, in the playoffs. Um, but ultimately when it's all said and done, it was just four games and they lost all four of them. And now we go in, into the end of the season and, you know, uh, I, I, I think, I, I don't know where, I don't know where, what we take, from this season as positives. I mean, I guess a lot depends on what we do with the free agents, you know? I mean, if we do re-sign Bogdanovich, you know, you take that as that as a positive. It's, hey, you know, uh, Bogey had a, had, had a breakout season and he's gonna be a number two type scorer for us. Um, you know, that that's something that, or the on the flip side of that, it's like, well, shit, you know, when Oladipo went out, then all of a sudden, Bogey got more looks, and now some team's going to offer him $25 million for four years, or something, I mean, you know, something like that, and we end up losing him. I, I don't know, I mean, that could, that could backfire, but, uh, 
overall, it was just a, it was kind of a frustrating series, but it, it was also expected. Unfortunately, the head, the head ended up winning out and, uh, I don't know. That was a, that was it. That, that was the last Pacers game. And, you know, it was, it was a fun season for sure to watch. Um, I, I like a lot of the guys on the team. It was, uh, it was definitely the most in, intense I've followed a season of basketball and I enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to uncovering or, or not uncovering, but, um, uh, investigating, you know, what are the options that the place, the Pacers have going into the off season here? Um, I do have a couple pieces of news to, uh, before I wrap this up, we've got, uh, oh, actually, I, so first thing, imagine, imagine a high school, uh, basketball game. And I remember I played a little bit of high school basketball and, and the best player I ever saw play. And, and, and I went to a very small school. So this was a small sample size. Um, but the fellow's name was Sebastian Green and he was six foot seven, um, he had a D1 scholarship to play at like some school out east. I want to say it was Fordham. But watching this guy go against my team and and uh, this the neighboring teams that my senior my whatever my junior year soft whatever year I was um, he was the best player I saw live. Um, watching him play, it was like it was insane because he just dominated. Um, he, he was dunking on people, just physically could do everything he wanted. He was the fastest player. He was the best ball handler, the best shooter. I mean, just everything. And, and he just dominated the games. Well, can you imagine having an even better player? Like, let's, let's say D'Angelo Russell, you know, point guard for the New Jersey Nets. They're in a playoff series with the 76ers. So I was watching one of their games, and this thing, uh, somebody brought up the fact that D'Angelo Russell was on the same high school team as Ben Simmons. I mean, that's insane. And so I had to look that up. I was watching some of, they went to that private school in Florida, like Monterey or Montive. Um, but yeah, for two years, those guys were on the same high school team. I was watching a couple highlights and you can only imagine, I mean, Ben Simmons was just six foot eight. And then you got D'Angelo Russell, six three. I mean, th th those guys were crazy. I was just thinking that's insane, you know, uh, having having those two guys, two of the probably top ten point guards in the league, being on the same high school team like five years ago. How can you? I can't even imagine trying to play them guys. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's just some that's some little NBA trivia knowledge for you next time you're playing at uh, maybe like B Dubs or something. I don't know if they do trivia. All right, so uh, one other piece of news. This is a good piece of news as a Pacers fan. The the city of Indianapolis and the Indiana Pacers ownership, which is, uh, I think, Paul Simon. This may be his name. Simon Walls. They agreed to a uh, they agreed to some contract that's going to keep the Pacers in the city of Indianapolis for the next twenty five years, which is a great sign. It happens in the NBA where teams are. Um, purchased and then relocated and knowing that the, the Pacers are locked in for the next 25 years makes me feel very happy and um, there is a little kicker though as an Indiana taxpayer it's only it's going to cost us 295 million dollars to renovate and expand Bankers Life Fieldhouse 
you know, which it's kind of like, well, how much, how much is the, the team making? And I know that, I mean, most franchises are worth like three, $4 billion. I think the Knicks have a price tag of 5 billion if they were ever to sell. So you got to think the Pacers are probably worth 2 billion. Um, so it seems a little cheap that the city has to pay for this. Like, why can't, why can't the team pay for this? Um, but I'd gladly pay, pay to keep the Pacers. I do care about the Pacers. So whatever. But yeah, two hundred ninety-five million for taxpayer subsidies or in taxpayer subsidies to keep the Pacers in, in Indianapolis for twenty-five years, and that just sets up, you know, the the future of the Pacers. This is going to be uh, a very very interesting off season. A lot of decisions have to be made on a lot of our players. Uh, four out of the this, four out of the five starters in the in this playoff series are are unrestricted free agents. It's, I've mentioned it a lot on this pod, but you know the Pacers have a total of seven guys who don't know where they're going to play basketball next year. Bogey, Darren Collison, Corey Joseph, Tyreek Evans, Wesley Matthews, Thaddeus Young, Kyle O'Quinn, all seven of those guys. Um, what are they worth on the open market? Are, what are the Pacers willing to pay to keep them? Um, you know, we have the draft. We've got... Um, Obviously, free agency starts July first. Um, so, what are other what are other teams around the league? What are the uh, other teams going to offer our guys? That's the question. And are the Pacers going to be willing to match those offers? Actually, it doesn't even matter since these are most of these guys are actually. I think all the guys are unrestricted free agents, which means they get to go wherever they want. So. Even if the Pacers are willing to, to match whatever somebody decides to throw at Bogdanovich, he'll have the choice to, to go wherever he wants. And so this team could look radically different next year. I have a, I don't know, like, I guess my feeling is that they'll probably end up bringing a, a lot of the guys back. But, and I'm hoping that a lot of the guys come back on a um, hometown discount. Is that too much to ask for? But We'll see, and I'm gonna look into look into that a lot more, um, you know. Uh, but for now, it's just kind of watching the rest of the playoffs. It's enjoying, it's enjoying watching the the best teams and uh, wishing the Pacers were in it. So that's a wrap on the 2018-19 season and the playoffs. It was a uh, it was an interesting year. It was uh, ultimately left a little, it left more to be desired, you know. Um, Still looking for that playoff series win. I'd like to see this team make a deeper run, maybe compete for a championship one day. That would be the dream of the podcast. Um, and who knows? We might do it. But uh, that's that for the games. Thanks for checking out the pod, and I uh, hope everyone has a great week.